You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2007 Frankfurt Avenue. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m. My teenage years were a little confusing, I have to admit. And I think that's just part of the deal. I, I, I was Christian. Um, I, I grew up in the church and I was learning how to, how to hold my, uh, my faith to myself. Hey, I, I, don't, I don't want that up now, but it's so stimulating too. You're going to wonder what it is. Um, I was trying to figure out how to be a Christian in the real world, that was com- and, that, and I was coming up short with answers. answers. I didn't know how to really express my faith, and I was committed to what I thought was the radical way of Jesus, peace, reconciliation, sharing things in common. And it seemed, when I was describing this to my peers and maybe even to my parents and other people, it seemed uh, impractical. They thought I was... Uh, you know, just wait till you get older, and you'll, and you won't be so uh, radical, right? That fire will die down pretty soon. And to be honest, on my most negative days, I think no, I think that they were kind of right. I moderated as I got older. I wasn't as radical, at least in 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 my words or in my aesthetic, as I was when I was younger. And, like, I wore less T-shirts. That would be one thing that changed. You know, I guess peak radicality is wearing T-shirts. Maybe not, but, I, you know, I just, I still have a large collection. Almost never used, but it exists, just in case I ever want to wear T-shirts again. I stopped wearing uh, women's jeans. That was something else I was doing. <laughs> that was pretty radical. What's that? Oh, I couldn't fit into those, but... Oh, wait, did she tell me to stop? No, I think at the time you encouraged it. It was before she changed into the Oh, that's why. Okay. <laughs> We've been friends for a long time. She never judged me for the women's jeans. You know, I just became more moderate. Some of you, some of, I'm getting some time. I'm getting some, there's some hecklers here. <laughs> I have the microphone. You don't want to heckle me. You could try. But I, I, uh, I was reminded of my, ter- my turn towards like a dad core, right? I, um, when a band that influenced me a ton when I was a kid came out with this song almost reminding me of who I used to be. Um, and I want to play it for you. And yeah, you might know it, so sing along if you do. You have to get the cursor here. It's in Spanish in case you need that too. There's a subtitle. of law enforcement during my teenage years as well. Never to this extent. But in central PA, they were always, always a little suspicious of what I was doing. So I'll tell you more. That's a different story. But this song reminds me, maybe, maybe it resonated with some of you too. It reminds me of uh, who, I, who I used to be, who I am now. And again, when I'm feeling most negative, you know, I think... Oh, when you were younger, you were a bright-eyed idealist, and you thought you could really enact the New Testament like now, again, and you could do it again, and you could be this uh, radical follower of Jesus. Not necessarily an anarchist, but it's a similar kind of um, hearkening back, right? 
And then, and then I think, no, and then I, I think I've just changed. It's not just because I don't wear t-shirts anymore. You know, I've, a lot has changed. You know, I got a mortgage, got married, had children, you know, I have lawn furniture. <laughs> what? It's in North Philly, you can fit a little bit of, um, it's not really a lawn, but, <laughs> but you, can, you, you can put some things back there if you want. Yeah, there's, yeah, we do, we think, we're proud of our lawn furniture. That's what I'm talking about. I don't have lawn furniture like Adam, okay? <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't completely lost my edge. So, <laughs> car payments, right? Worst vision. Actually, my vision's fine, but you can, you can, you can relate, right? Um, an achier body. You know, you eat the wrong thing for lunch and your back hurts, right? Somehow, things are happening you don't even understand. You're more tired. And, and, and maybe you can relate to this, too. But I also think through us, through a community, I, I, I didn't become something different altogether. And I think that's true for many of you as well. That I can express my faith in a way that uh, is, yes, more practical. Maybe also more effective, too. And so I haven't, you, you, just because it looks a little bit different doesn't mean you've lost the radical edge but maybe we can learn to use it in a better way, even as we grow and develop. Just like in the songs we were singing, right? As we, as we hold the precious Lord's hand, as we uh, are pressed into a good wine over time. You know, maybe some things change, but not everything. Or maybe some things change for the better and you develop in a new way. So I wanna work with this idea today that if you feel like you're just way different than you used to be, that you can still be made into something new, be made new again, be born again, if you will, right? That's the idea I wanna work with. You know that phrase, being born again, real popular in like the 90s? Born again Christian, some of you, some of, some of you remember this. I, I love it. I still, I still love it. I feel like I, I, I can be born again. I love the, this idea of newness and new life, new hope, another chance, another chance to try something, to be something different, never too old to change or to grow. I have to keep reminding myself of this because sometimes I just think, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of cursed in this body, in this way of life, in who I am, and I'm never going to change. And sometimes I look at my friends and I think, well, you're hopeless to change anyway, and I don't think you're going to. You know, you're too, you're too old to change, right? You're in your 30s or something. This is the thought I have. Like, you're never, we're just stuck. We're just going to be like this forever. And I have to remind myself, no, I can change. I can grow. I can be, I can be something new. I can develop. I can even become a more radical disciple of Jesus. We all have a chance to be born again. I think that's the promise of Jesus. That's the promise of a God with us. God, even through Jesus, had a chance to be reintroduced to the world. So we can too, you know. I think Jesus is saying, no, you can be born again. 
Because look, the God of all time was incarnated into the world. Something new happened. I haven't experienced a lot of uh, births in my life. I guess you. I guess I experienced mine, <laughs> but not no distinct recollection. But and we had we had two we have two children. Love them a lot. We saw, I saw them get birthed. I was a witness. That's about all I was. I don't have any really good memories of the birthing process. You know, this is so insensitive because you, of course, did it, but I was there and stressed out beyond, I, I was completely useless. You know, just so much anxiety pouring through my body, um, just completely paralyzed. Had no idea it was, it's, it's one of the craziest things you'll ever experience. Um, so, maybe not surprising to you, but I was a little beside myself during both, both births. We had to bring, you had to bring more support with you because you knew you're not going to be helpful. I need someone who's going to help me. <laughs> so I'm, I'm Kim, you were there for one, and, and, uh, and, and Rachel too. Right, that was the other one. So I'm glad. I'm glad we have friends. Um, that, can, that can help us during difficult times when I'm incapacitated. It was, I mean, I really didn't even like thinking about it. Like, it just was not pleasant. You know, I like the girls, you know, that's great. We're, they're here, you know, but at the time, it was really debilitating. So I was going a little nuts, right? Nevertheless, a few, a few months ago, maybe a few years ago at this point, I was talking to Elaine. Elaine was the oldest, six at the beginning of March. And we were talking about Agatha being born. And I, somehow I was explaining how to be born. And then she thought she was missing out on something because she didn't remember her birth either. So, she's just, so she said, I want to be born again. I just love that. I love that. Uh, I was like, wow, where'd you get that one from? Because we don't ever say that, you know. Um, she's never heard that phrase before. And even as a, she's a pastor's kid because I'm a pastor. And I try to be less, you know, heavy-handed about faith with her. Some of you are PKs, so you know this. Even though I'm, I'm kind of, oh yeah, Pastor Jim. Even though I, I'm, I am kind of heavy-handed in general, so it's hard to be like subtle about certain things. Like I'll tell her something like, "I'm never gonna baptize you," you know, or something, some, something like because I don't want to like, inf like, um, have that influence in her life. But I still tell her about the whole process, and she's like, "What are you talking about?" So never mind. I was just thinking about how to preserve your faith. Anyway, I told her you can't actually be born again. But when you're older, I'll tell you a way that you can be born again. I felt like Jesus, right? That's the story of uh, Nicodemus, um, one of the most famous uh, ones in the Bible. Because it contains the super popular verse, verse 16. Some of you uh, know it by heart, right? Or at least... Like, uh, how about this guy? That's how you know it, right? It's, do you guys watch wrestling? Yeah. We have, some, we have some wrestling fans here. So there's cultural knowledge to it, right? And I don't, I don't know if we know the whole story. And when we take especially that verse out of John 3... We kind of defeat the purpose of the verse. Instead of offering something new to us, right, it just becomes uh, mundane, repeatable, boring, 
maybe void of some meaning because of its vain repetition. Somewhere along the way, I think the verse just got ripped out of its surrounding and then universally applied to us. The Bible can sometimes be used that way, like it's a textbook with the rules that you're supposed to follow. It's really a bad read if you do it that way. I don't recommend reading it that way. If you do, it will stink. Using it like a rule book and then finding the right verse when you start, like you want to whip people with it, like it's a wrestling move, not ideal. Um, it's not really like that. The story is more important than the point of it. The narrative matters. Here's Stanley Hauerwas on the subject. Someone out loud want to read this, this quote? Claims such as God is creator are simply shorthand ways of reminding us that we believe we are participants in, much more, in a much more elaborate story of which God is the author. Doctrines, therefore, are not the upshot of the stories. They are the, not the meaning or the heart of the stories. Rather, they are tools, sometimes even misleading tools, to help us tell the story better. Big, big, uh, there's a lot in that, so take what you can for now. The story of Jesus through the Gospels is more important. The story of Jesus through the Gospels is more important than the doctrine that we've extracted from it. And I think that's the heart of the transition that we, that, that we have growing as believers. When we move beyond the facts and then start to participate in the story more fully and more wholly. God is doing something. A story is being told and revealed and we're participating in that. Things aren't linear. Right? The Spirit's carrying us through. And maybe that is more freeing than uh, just trying to sort through all the doctrine. I think it's more fun, too. So let's read John 3 and see if we can't have fun. Um, this is, too, is this too small for you to read? Someone close to me. Let's read from John 3. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel? and yet you do not understand these things? Jesus is kind of working with the same idea that a Hauerwas was. Or maybe the other way around, I guess. Nicodemus, fairly rounded, round character in the Gospel of John. The Bible's not full of developed characters like Nicodemus. He's not that simple. He undergoes a change when he meets Jesus, and then he shows up later on in the story a few times. He's part of a political party and a religious order called the Pharisees. 
These are, you might call them conservatives who are trying to stick to the law of Moses, like the Ten Commandments, and they're trying to do so as closely as possible. I'm very sympathetic to pharisaical thought, if you will, um, because I think they're resisting imperial cultural influence on their fragile faith. They're resisting assimilation with the powers, and so they're cautious about how the Romans are influencing their culture. And they're generally looking for a savior to liberate them from Rome and reestablish their own nation again, maybe under like a united monarchy, like uh, following the line of David. And Jesus kind of fits the bill. So there's de they're definitely looking for a political revolution. But rather than allowing their, their uh, seeds of faith from God to flow where, where, wherever the Spirit wants them to, they kind of want to plant them deeper into the ground, cementing them into a nation with borders and canonized by law. Jesus isn't really doing that, though. So there's, there's some trouble happening here, a lot of redeemable things, and then some difficult applications. Jesus is probably most closely aligned in terms of his kind of theology with the Pharisees, especially compared to the other religious parties of the time. Now, that's a, that's a claim I'm making. All right, so that's based on my understanding. You might disagree with it. You might think he's more like a, a zealot or an Essene or someone like that. You know, but I think he's closer to the Pharisees. I think he was probably taught by them too. I think that's why he has this, Nicodemus even knows who he is. I think that's why he and Nicodemus developed this friendship. Jesus had high hopes for the Pharisees to be his followers and was generally resisted by them, or at least that's how the Gospels are telling the story. And Nicodemus presents a unique opportunity Nicodemus, along with the other Pharisees, are impressed with the miracle, the miracles of Jesus. And that's the, the Gospel of John is full of signs that Jesus performs to point to his Messiahship. So this fits the bill thematically. Anyway, they're impressed with the miracles of Jesus. And they want to know more. Although some, many of them think his claims are somewhat dubious. They're impressed with the miracles. They want to relate. And they also know relating to Jesus is a little nefarious or looked down upon, which is why I think Nicodemus travels at night to see Jesus. So he's not seen. Nicodemus knows it's impossible to perform these actions without a lot of intimacy and connection with God. And in his humility, Jesus gives Nicodemus a way to understand it. He says you have to be born, born from above, which I think is the best way to translate that, born from above. John 1 tells us Jesus was born from above from the get-go. The logos, the word of God, was always with us. His second birth was, in fact, through Mary. Our first birth is on earth, so Nicodemus can't really comprehend what it means to be born from above. Elaine, my, uh, six, my nearly six-year-old, said she wanted to be born again. And I, 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 I loved the faith or maybe even ignorance that she's displaying. You know, in her mind, why can't I be born again? Why do you have to ruin everything? You know, why, why can't I have sustained this imagination, this thought? What would prevent me? You know, she's not limited yet by her own intellect. It's really a helpful thing when you're a kid. Her own intellect, <coughs> though it's limited in itself, rest assured, doesn't limit her imagination. 
you know, as, as adults, our, our, uh, our imagination is stifled by practicality. And it's not even that practical, by the way. I mean, the things we get condemned with when we're practical, like, you know, the practicality that comes to conde that condemn your idealist thoughts, it's the same thing that's like warming up the globe, right? So it's like, how practical are you? What are you talking about, you know? It's the same thing that causes, uh, you know, death in Syria, right? It's the same thing that causes us to ignore Saudi Arabia's um, murderous regime. That's what's practical, right? So, so there's something about it like, oh, maybe you've colonized my mind in more ways than I think because what you're calling practical is really um, apparently impractical. Nevertheless, Elaine isn't stifled by her practicality, and just like, Nicode just, ju just like Nicodemus, we might be. We may know Jesus, have roots in Jesus, but we don't, know, we don't know how to fly with Jesus because flying is impossible. We can't be born again because we've already been born. You know, we used to be teenage anarchists. Not anymore. Now we're just eating breakfast sandwiches and pushing strollers, you know. Sorry, I have all these colorful images of be, me being a dad. <laughs> and Nicodemus isn't an idiot. I think he understands the metaphor Jesus is talking about. I don't think it's lost on him. But even if he does, the prospect of this powerful Pharisee undoing all of his progress for the sake of the kingdom of God just doesn't make any sense. Why would I? I'm too old. I'm too established to follow Jesus and fly with the Spirit. I have a job, I have debt. I have relationship problems. I'm busy. None of this is none of, none of this is practical. Yeah, I think that we might have been might have been colonized by this economic form a little bit. You know, Christianity just seems so impractical. You know, you might if we were talking this morning, you might think going to two meetings a week is preposterous. God wants, uh, God wants more than two meetings of your time, by the way. But I, I'm arguing that Nicodemus gets what Jesus is saying, but it's so ridiculous it can't possibly be true. It's not in his intellectual prowess. That's not why he disagrees with Jesus, but rather what Jesus is asking is just too costly. And let those of us that see the possibility for an alternative be comforted because our idea is just too costly for our detractors. And I really do think that's, 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 that's who, who is in this room right now. When we get older, we might stop believing that you can be born again. Not because it doesn't physically make sense. We know it. We know how the thing works. It just is too much work. I could do it when I was younger. I don't know how I'm going to do it now. The key is not becoming who you used to be, right? Moving into who you are now, right? That's the development. I'm never, I'm never wearing women's pants again. I'm never doing it. Well, I, I just don't, I, I don't conceive of this possibility. Anything's possible. But I'm not going to become who I used to be. I don't even fit in the t-shirts I have. Some of them definitely don't. 
who am I going to be now? Nicodemus is on the verge of a transformation that overcomes all of the indoctrination of the world. He's able to follow Jesus and be reborn in the Spirit and move with the wind of the Spirit. He's about to release the chains that have encumbered him on this earth. He's about to be born from above. He's moving to practically follow Jesus in who he is now. And, and later on, we'll see a story about Nicodemus, when, when Nicodemus stands up for Jesus, right in the middle of the, uh, right in the middle of, uh, in the gospel, he'll stand and defend Jesus, and then he'll be seen at the crucifixion too. So you have this development of faith. He becomes a tangible part of the movement. It graduates from his head into his heart and soul and body. It gets, it gets his passion, his love, his commitment. It gets transformed again. Nicodemus has a lot standing in his way, right? The laws of science, spiritual tradition, political economy, an established class and order, one where he ranks rather highly. There are things preventing him from being born again, born from above, having his mind renewed, no longer conforming to the patterns of the world, right? So what keeps us from growing and moving with Jesus in partnership, from being born from above, right? We've listed some already. Might be your job, your family, your house, grad school, a relationship, your own rationality, your own self-doubt, your lack of faith, your pining for years before that'll never come back, right? Your, uh, your anxiety, your depression. For us, even in Circle of Hope, being born from above may be in you publicly saying, no, I'm gonna keep doing this. I wanna keep doing it. I'll invest my time and my money and my heart into what we're doing. And in the United States, if you're not careful, you really, you really can be born differently. And we really do need to be born again, have our minds renewed, especially if we're going to do the thing that we're doing, keep doing it, which so many of you have for so long. Right? The United States has a tight grip on your wallet, your time, but I think above all, it's after your heart. And I, I, I know, I, we're not known for our patriotism or something. So some of you are like, no, not me. doesn't have my heart. You know, so it's not like the U.S. is sucking up your heart that way. But it is, for, it, I, I'm tempted by it all the time. You know, I, I uh, you know, for, for, this, is, this is personal for me, but when I see like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or Ilhan Omar, I'm like, yeah. These are, these, are, these are my people. I want to be like them. You know, I want to, they're going to they're save me from all the trouble I'm in. And then I think, oh, I actually think, I, I, I am being a little colonized here. I think the state's the chief social actor, right? That uh, the main agent of change, that my, my, my uh, hope was found in these power structures the whole time. You know, I don't want to dismiss all of that, but at some point, it, it causes a problem in me. And I think, no, I actually do need to be born again. Something needs to change in me because I can't, they, they're, they're capturing my heart, my soul. That means something. And I, I need to guard against that. That's personal for me. That's, 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 that's where I'm tempted. You know, I, I, uh, I don't think um, Nicodemus is necessarily coming from the same place, but I believe people around him thought, yeah, reordering the political economy is what we need believing something else and extending your heart, your time, and your energy to it, 
that's pretty radical. That's something new, you know. That's the expression of it. If I, could, if I can hold on to that, then it doesn't matter if the aesthetic's different, right? It doesn't matter if I don't listen to music like this anymore. It doesn't matter if everything else has changed because I still think moving with Jesus, transforming my desire, is really the radical thing to do. The world doesn't need just Christians who are individually believers. And it's Christians that are moving with the Spirit and starting a movement that can change the world. So our rebirth isn't just about your individual expression. It's not just a personal thing you're achieving. It's not just about a consumable personal relationship. It's about doing something together, about continuing the story, as Howard was saying. So can we be a community that tells the story of Jesus and moves with it? That we can be grounded in our faith enough to move with the Spirit, you know, let our breaths and our actions do the talking. We'll have to find a, a way to overcome all the trouble that stands between us and another birth, another renewal, another transformation. But I think we can. I think we have what it takes to keep moving with Jesus, keep being transformed and born from above. Let's pray and do some talk back, shall we? Thank you, Lord, for uh, your presence, your faithfulness to us. May we keep following you in a, in, a, in a radical way that might otherwise seem impractical. Keep showing us where you are. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.